Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. Delighted to be with you for another uh, exciting episode and really excited about today's topic, as I always am. But I think we're going to be covering some things that you maybe haven't thought of or you're not putting enough energy or attention on. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and two-minute crash course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. My guest is Ro Batia. He is the Chief Product and Strategy Officer of Limelight, and we're talking about growth ideas that you either haven't thought of or you're likely underutilizing. And then I can't wait to talk about some of these topics, super fun and helpful. Quick, brief background on Roe, and then we'll bring him on and we'll, we'll dive right in. Uh, started at Google and, and then spent time, five years at Yahoo, worked at eBay with sellers and helped manage their homepage, then was at Home Depot and ran the dot com division of Home Depot. So this guy's got some chops in the industry. He's done some amazing things. He's extremely bright. He's very knowledgeable on the topics we're discussing today. And so with that, Ro, welcome to the show. And and thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Of course. Thanks, Brad. I'm super psyched to be here. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. And so I know you're a big believer in performance-based marketing, and you've spent years and years around some of the best marketers and best e-commerce companies in the world. And so today we're talking about some growth ideas, some some strategies, some tactics, things people haven't thought of or, or are likely underutilizing. And so let's just dive in. What what are what are some of your favorite tactics that you've seen over the years working with e-commerce that it seems like a lot of e-commerce companies are just just missing, either completely missing or uh, not utilizing like they should be. What what are some of your favorite growth tactics? Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's funny because I've been with Limelight for a little under two years now, and like you said, I've been around around the block in terms of e-commerce and you know strategy and whatnot. And um, I've been with bigger e-commerce companies, ran the, those divisions, and I thought when I joined Limelight, like, hey, I, I know e-commerce, uh, but it's been it's been a very humbling experience because uh, you know Limelight has been around for ten years and and uh, it's been used very very uh, well by really smart marketers and uh, things that I've discovered in just last few years, I'm like, wow, uh, brands, like you said, either are 
not even aware of these tactics or they're not using it in, in a cohesive way. So, you know, my favorite, some of the tactics that can help you supercharge your e-commerce revenue. Uh, and these are the things that you'll, when you hear about them, you'll be like, ah, oh, of course it makes sense. Things like using live chat to avoid abandonment and collect feedback. It, you can attest to it that shopper attentions today and attention spans are shorter than ever, right? Um, 60, I think the, the metric, if I can remember correctly, was around 61% of the shoppers say that uh, they're more likely to make a purchase after they've had a chat because they feel like somebody's helping them out, their own personal kind of helper, if you will. Um, so having a tool that can help you with, um, you know, help your customers from a live chat perspective, or even supporting logic-based triggers um, to run campaigns, asking customers who have expanded the delivery options uh, to ask if they have any questions about shipping, uh, is, a, is a great way to engage with customers and you know increase your revenue, of course, and make a sale. Um, and, and specifically, what have you what have you seen with with chat? Like, what what kind of increases or improvements or, or any any specific tips or thoughts on on that? Yeah, you know, the thing that I just kind of alluded to with the logic based triggers that's been uh, in our experience been working very very well. So, if your customer, for example, is viewing a customizable product. Ask her if she'd like help picking from available options. Does she like this color versus that? And, and there are bots available to do that. What has not worked very well is just putting a live chat or even a bot option out there that is generic. You yeah. know, the world we live in right now, Brett, is uh, I see, I read, I eat, I consume everything that is very, very customized to me, right? My phone is really my phone. It's not an iPhone because it's all the apps that I like. So, if you can provide a very customized experience based on either the actions that users have taken or you already know about that user uh, through live chat or even a bot, that's amazing. And, and being proactive a little bit is good too. Don't wait for the user to initiate that chat. Be proactive. Love it. So being proactive, pop up with a specific question. Do you need help exploring all of these options or have you considered this rather than just, you want to chat with somebody? Um, totally. Makes That's sense. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. A company, uh, I, I don't know if you've heard of Drift. Uh, we've used Intercom and Drift, and Drift, I, I think, does a very well job of that. Um, David Cancel, he's the founder and CEO, um, done a great job. So, yeah. So, Drift is one of your, your go-to vendors for chat? 100%. Great. Awesome. So, utilizing live chat, making it specific, don't wait for users to initiate it. Love that tip. What were some other tactics that, that you've seen that kind of or uh, blew your mind a little bit that you think a lot of other brands or a lot of e-commerce brands aren't using? Yeah, uh, you know, people look. People talk about increasing conversion rates and conversion rates. Just industry standard has been around one to three uh, percent, and you gotta believe. And I say I've seen conversion rate higher than um, twelve to thirteen percent, and um, it, it's pretty high, especially when you're talking about retail e-commerce or emerging e-commerce. So. I've seen that happen. Although the trend has changed a little bit, right? Your focus is less on increasing your average order value and more on customer lifetime value, right? Because we're in the relationship economy now. So you're not just uh, one and done kind of selling a product and be done with it. Right. You have to provide ongoing value. You have to build a relationship with your customer. And you, uh, through that, through that course, through that dance that you do with the customer, you know the customer is going to buy and become a re repeat um, 
purchaser and also evangelize your product. But yep. having said that, average order value is still important. So how do you really increase your average order value? One of the concerns that I, I keep hearing from uh, merchants is cost of acquisition is really high and we're not recouping that in the first sell. Okay, well, there are tactics. Things that Amazon has tried and tested for so many years now, upsells and cross-sells, it's as simple as that. Don't, when, when the buyer is in the buying spree um, and you know, she's interested and looking and buying things, don't just end the, the, you know, the funnel or the conversation at just one product. If I have bought something, um, Amazon is a perfect example. If I bought, buy something off of Amazon, first, they'll try and give me a bump checkout that, oh, well, we saw that, uh, we see that you have added this item to the cart. If you add another item uh, or, you know, three more items like this, since we're going to be shipping to you, we'll probably give you 10% off. All right, perfect. By the way, Ro, users like yourself who bought this also bought these other items. Would you be interested? Uh, and since you're buying, it's free shipping. Oh, makes sense. Okay, might as well. That's your upsell, cross-sell right there. Has helped um, increase um, our customers. And I think there's a standard industry average. Um, a- average order value could go all the way to 1.2, 1.3 times the value of the actual order. So that's one tactic you guys got to try. That's awesome. I love it. And, and that's something I'm a huge, huge believer in cross-selling and upselling. And, and in fact, you even shared a stat with me, I think, as we were prepping, like 30% of all e-commerce revenue comes from upsells and cross-sells. Is that right? That's, yeah, that is correct. It's crazy. And that's why if you think about it, like 1.2, 1.3 times the average order value. You know, you can, these, these brands got to be a little bit more um, smart, if you will. Uh, and Amazon has tested these things where you create a little bit of scarcity. You have countdown timers. You have aggressive discounting. And, you know, all these approaches that help you get there. Yep. Yeah, but I, I also, I mean, just the, the customers also bought and making that clear and easy to add all those things to your cart is something I was recently shopping for uh, smart thermostats. So we, we use the Amazon Alexa devices, big, big fan, uh, also like Google Home as well. But um, you're looking at, at the different brands of smart thermostats and, and was looking at one specific model. And then below it, it had said, hey, customers also bought these other things with this smart thermostat, you know, add, add all three to your cart right here. Here's the total. Um, sometimes a little discount, sometimes not just making it easy. Hey, you, you also want these things quickly add them to your cart. So it's it's a convenience thing. There's a there's a discount element you can utilize. Uh, just just making sure the customer is educated that hey, your life will be better. The the problem you're trying to solve, you'll be able to solve it better, complete it better if you also buy these other things. So um, and I think what some brands maybe forget or or don't think about is that customers want to buy other stuff. They want to know what else I can buy. Not, not everybody, but, but you know, I want to know, hey, if I'm going to buy this smart thermostat system, yes, what else do I need? What else will make exactly. my better? Exactly. So you're, no, you're, you're spot on. You're spot on, Brett. Like if I see something like recommended for you, just like you said, just the language and doing a little bit of a wordsmith, if I see it's recommended for you, it makes me feel special. Oh, wow. Like this, this brand knows who I am, what I like, and this right. is recommended for me. So I don't have to spend brain cells thinking about what else might like. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't always buy those things, of course, but every now and then there's one thing that just delights you that, hey, wow, the, you know, Amazon picked this or this retailer said I would like this. And, and in fact, I would. And so it's been buying it. Um, any, any tips or suggestions on, on how to improve? cross-sell and upsell opportunities. I know 
a lot of people that listen to this podcast are believers in those things. Um, but what are some tips or tactics to make that process better that we haven't already yeah. talked about? Yeah, I, I, it's interesting because uh, you know I'm an avid listener of your podcast, and I think you kind of mentioned a few things as well. But creating that feeling of scarcity is is, is one tip. Having some kind of countdown timers and or even discounting options are good approaches. Um, Amazon does this thing where they say X items last, and, and that's that's the approach that works a lot. It's just awesome. building, yeah. yeah. The, the psychology of your, you know, messaging kind of works uh, very well with the psyche of human brains, right? So um, it, then there's other thing when you're thinking about cross selling is what I was just talking to you about, which is recommended for you. Um, it, it feels like now you're customizing to a, a you know, a particular individual. And you got to make sure that you have uh, the algorithm and the data behind that to provide that recommendation, which is which is correct. I'll give you a quick. Example in, in that case, it didn't work. And this is about 10 years ago when I was at eBay managing their home page. And, um, you know, everybody wanted to, every other team wanted to put their placements on home page. Every seller wanted to put their products on home page because it's sure. driving at 20 plus million views every month. But our recommendation was had you have gone to eBay back then and bought something uh, like a laptop and you go back again in a day or two, we'll show you more laptops. Which just doesn't make any sense. I just I bought, bought one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe show me, give me a case or something, right? But the, the recommend the recommendation algorithm, the recommendation settings weren't um, set up correctly. So when you do this recommended for you, make sure you do have the data behind um, you know, suggesting the right things to the right bucket of users. Any any tips or suggestions there? I know we could we could probably quickly get off into the weeds or get too technical, but any any tips or suggestions where someone should start or tools or things they yeah. should look at? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, you know, we, the, when you're, especially when you're working with an e-commerce platform, you want to look at the capabilities that those guys have, right? It's, there's a difference between an e-commerce platform and uh, an ESP or an autoresponder like MailChimp and whatnot. And with MailChimp and ActiveCampaign and all these other tools, which are necessary, you get the, the first name, last name, and the address level data, and you can create buckets of users. With a sophisticated e-commerce platform, you not only get that, but you also get purchase level data. So if you can use that data to create buckets of users, and when the, when the similar users come to your website or a store or landing page, you can um, you know, bucket them and show them the right recommendations, that's the key. So having that level of data, slicing and dicing it, and be able to remarket it in a way that is that makes more sense to them would be good. Another quick tip there would be um, a lot of the brands that I'm actually working with now are, are uh, you know, deploying this strategy. If you have heard of Stitch Fix or Get Roman and whatnot, yeah, sure. What they, yeah, so what they do is they you go to their store or a landing page. They don't just show you product. They will ask you a few things. Uh, like, oh, what do you like? Uh, you know, male, female, date of birth. Um, do you, you know, for Casper, for example, do you prefer to sleep on the left or the right side of bed? Things like this. All these are little data nuggets that you're collecting. And then you have an algorithm running somewhere in the back, which is going to suggest to you the product based on those data nuggets. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So getting, you know, some, some of those tools, when, when you help get a customer engaged and interacting with your site, Conversion rates and everything else is better after that. Um, you know, I remember I've, I've been a direct marketing junkie for a long time, and I remember studying some of the the founding fathers of marketing and what they used to do with with catalog marketing. And they said that if you could just get someone to 
take out the order form and start marking in it. That they would likely like fill it up and, and start to really order. So I think the same thing applies. I know the same thing applies online, where if you get them interacting, then they're much more likely to go ahead and add something to cart. And That's a good analogy. I got to use that. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Which is which is super cool. So uh, I, I like it. So b- uh, better collection of data, creating better buckets, um, so that so that you know what to recommend to who and and when. Uh, totally makes sense. We got it. Yeah, awesome. Um, good. So uh, other other tips and tactics. I know we yeah. also have some good stuff on the kind of the loyalty retention side of things as well that I want to dive into. But uh, any, anything else before we get to that? No, let me. I have. I, if I think about it, I'll have three or two or three more tips. So yeah, you kind of alluded to loyalty piece. So retargeting to convert and create loyal customers is the best way to increase that lifetime value, and that's what the brands are going after, right? Even if you think about Netflix, um, it's Netflix is working really, really hard to make sure they're providing ongoing value because it knows, even though there is a little bit of a monopoly. Uh, that they've created now and you know they've been a good brand and people like it and whatnot people still have options people have uh, hulu and you know now youtube videos and youtube uh, movies and so many other things and hbo's so creating not just repeat customers but loyal customers who can go out and evangelize for you uh is is the key and there are ways you do it um especially retargeting these guys and retargeting tends to sound like uh you know, people tend to think it's a little bit creepy. So merchants and brands, don't be creepy. Display ad retargeting has given a, given this tactic a bad name because uh, you visit something and then you go somewhere else and you see those ads and banners popping up everywhere. But every, you know, so every online shopper, if you think about it, has been creeped out a little <laughs> by, you know, by that item and looked sure. at once and followed the internet, uh, for, followed you for weeks. But retargeting essentially is a crucial component of any e-commerce growth strategy. Gives you another channel to use to communicate with your customers. Now, the key is um, not using a lazy one-size-fits-all strategy, but instead of um, instead of that, segment your retargeting cohorts. Deliver personalized messaging. If somebody only saw your product, so call them product page viewers. Um, don't give them with the same, don't send an ad with the same product that they view. Maybe give them a little bit more content. Maybe they're not warm enough and that's why they didn't end up buying the product. So give them more content on how that product might have helped someone else. Uh, and then maybe that will kind of ease the sting a little bit if you, you know, uh, if you know what I mean. Cart abandoners. These are the guys who saw the product, were interested, added the item to the cart, but never made it through, never bought it, never took the credit card out. Uh, you know, Couple your retargeting with a discount or, or think about an upsell or an add-on related to the product that they could have had uh, to increase the conversion. Maybe offer free shipping, you know, all these other tactics. Bring them back um, and, and, and see if that, that can happen and conversion can happen. One really a um, little bit aggressive, but something that uh, a brand is trying. I, I don't know the exact results yet, but it was really interesting because the guy I was talking to, he was saying that um, they're using... Um, Zapier, which is a company that integrates with a lot of different other platforms. So every time, and then they're on our platform, every time there is an abandoned uh, card abandoned... Z- Zapier is, is good at creating the if this, then that Correct. type Correct. of uh, exactly. connection. Yeah. Yeah. So th- this guy told me about an interesting use case. So he's on our platform, this brand, and what they're doing is 
they uh, every time a user comes uh, on their brand and their landing page and uh, adds the item but doesn't make it through, but the item is still in the cart, they will use that data connected with Zapier, uh, Zapier, and Zapier will then send and connect with Twilio, which is another company. And through Twilio, they're sending the text messages to not the customer, but the sales agents, uh, because this is an expensive item, right? Um, so sales agents, right, right off the bat, know, oh, wow, this guy came to the, to the site, added the item to the cart, but never made it through. And now they're going to call the customer and ask, oh, is there anything I can do to help you out? Is there anything, um, are you looking for a discount? Are you looking for something else? And that they, I don't know the exact results yet, but that's the tactic that they have tried. So that's another kind of a little bit aggressive calling people out right after, you know, they left. But you can do, you can apply the same logic on text messages and emails and sending out, you know, yeah. offers. Um, I love it though, but, but with, a, with a higher priced item, it could be that someone had a question. Will this actually work in my intended application? Is this actually the one that I need? I actually have some other thoughts on this. Exactly. Someone, exactly. I, you wouldn't want to do that for every product. You know, you're ordering staples, you know, staple products, just like toilet paper or something like that. That doesn't make any sense. But if you're selling a, a high-end item, yeah, that, that phone call could totally make sense. And that, that could be all that person needs to get their question answered or whatever and, and go ahead and buy. So you, you, You're spot on. You know, combine that with the live chat feature and whatnot. You're, you're 100% right. And, and you mentioned loyalty. For the first time purchasers, you got to start a loyalty or rewards campaign. Build a list of converted customers and then show them uh, your appreciation. Engage with them. Show them the ad copy that references their recent purchase. Provide an incentive to them. To return. I mean, game mechanics is such an old concept now, right? But I, I don't think it's still being used and capitalized on the way it could be. Um, you can get even smarter. Uh, you spend by removing users who have recently converted, right? And focus your campaign just on re-upping the brand recognition from users who haven't purchased in a while. I'll give you a, 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 lie, a true example that happened to me. Um, you know, we have a we have a three-year-old daughter now, and um, my wife used to be a, a huge Instagram user and uh, when we were expecting um, she would post you know pictures and, and stories on, on Instagram that oh we're, we're psyched to have a, a baby girl um, join us soon and this and that and we had bought uh, around that time we had bought a mattress through Casper I'm sure you've heard of Casper yeah of course right so Casper somehow I don't know how <laughs> followed my wife and because of the data I guess you know the email and all that so she followed my uh, they, they followed my wife on Instagram um, or their or their bot whoever and they you know they started kind of looking at what's happening and looking at the customer journey and how my wife was interacting with the brand and other channels and when um, you know um, when my daughter was born uh, we come back from the hospital and we see a little package from Casper and it was a baby mattress uh, for free That's they, awesome. they, they, they sent it to I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, they sent it to us as a surprise and no loyalty, nothing. And I had done nothing all, you know, we didn't talk about Casper, but since then, it's been three years now, since then, every conference I've spoken at, every talk mm -hmm. I've had, even talking to you, right? I bring up that example. And since then, I have referred 30 plus customers to Casper and they show me the dashboard. <laughs> it's yeah, amazing. So that that was, that was well worth the, the mattress on, on Casper's part for sure. Exactly. Uh, well, this is awesome. I actually want to, I want to break some of this down just a little bit because there's, there's several things you mentioned that I want to unpack a little bit. And then I've got a specific Netflix question too, just purely curious, but I love that brand. Uh, but let's talk about the remarketing cohorts, cohorts first. And I'll kind of talk about the way we approach this and then something you mentioned I thought was brilliant. 
so totally agree, you know, breaking down your remarketing segments into product detail page viewers or PDP viewers, your, your cart abandoners. You've got kind of different messaging, different offers, things like that. Uh, I think it's really interesting. I think it's still valuable to show the product that someone did look at, you know, run ads like that too. But, but your idea of also showing them content and, hey, have you thought about using this? Or, or hey, you were checking out this barbecue grill. Here are some recipes. Here are top barbecue recipes, you know, free. Check them out. Um, that's actually valuable. I was I kind of half joking shared at a, a conference a few months ago that the best book on, on remarketing ever was um, Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah, yeah. Or if you think about it, like uh, you know, the, the character is not like, "Hey, do you want to buy? Hey, do you do you want to buy now? Hey, do you want to buy now?" He's saying, "Well, hey, what about what about with a fox? Or what about on a train? <laughs> or, or have you thought about you know trying this in the rain? Or have you thought you know?" And it's just really uh, fun and, and maybe slightly annoying, but uh, but but yeah, thinking about try it, them, like, try them and you may, right? <laughs> what's that? Try them, try them and you may. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so thinking about okay, um, so something about this. Maybe they just need a reminder and that's kind of the first thing we do because maybe they had to, to abandon and they just didn't have time. So a little reminder, that's the first step. If they don't do that, then maybe it's like, hey, have you thought about this element? Have you, have you considered this educational piece? Did you know you can use this product in these ways? Things like that um, can really help push people on. And when we do, we like to always segment. We, we see so many, whether it's Google Ads or Facebook or whatever, accounts where there's just like a remarketing campaign, right? Just remarketing and everything's in there but really segmenting it by how engaged someone was with your site because you want to bid differently. You want the message to be different. It's just kind of a different, exactly. different exactly. path, and, and which is awesome. You're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, across your cohorts or segments, you know, taking that, that customer-centric view, uh, even optimizing your frequency settings and creatives, like showing someone the same ad every day of the week, it's a waste of ad spend and yes. a terrible user experience. Don't yep. do that. So, rather, refresh your creative. Uh, you know, change the message a little bit. Try different things. Keep things fresh. Yep, totally agree. Uh, I just really was glad you brought up Netflix and and how, even though they have a commanding lead, you know, as far as any other uh, online streaming providers, whether it's Amazon Prime or or you know HBO Go or you know or Hulu. I mean, Netflix is the clear leader right now, but they're not resting. They're still trying to innovate and create more value. Any, any insights from Netflix? Because the way you said that, it sounded like you may have some insight on Netflix. And if not, no big deal. But just any, any other uh, things we can learn from Netflix on how they delight customers or how they you know, promote more engagement or just any other lessons to draw from them? You know, Netflix is just one of those things. It's kind of like Apple, right? Where... Uh, <laughs> you know, when you talk about user experience, everybody talks about Apple and iPod and all of that stuff. And uh, and you think about showing the right ad, everybody talks about Apple because the, they're not selling products, they're selling emotions. Yep. Uh, catching that. I think Netflix is kind of like that. It's it's become that, it's become that uh, you know, purposeful bottleneck, if you will, in your life that you cannot survive without it. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I haven't, I haven't seen the last, uh, season of uh, Game of Thrones yet because I don't have HBO, uh, but I have Netflix, I have Hulu, I also have Amazon. Uh, and, and Amazon is really coming up with, you know, a lot of good um, content. But Netflix, just just the research and it just feels, I feel like it, it, Netflix gets me. It's very customized. T totally agree. Uh, 
Yeah, and they, they've started. I don't know if they have been doing this for a while, but they've started this uh, survey thing recently. At least I got it. Uh, I maybe I'm one of the beta testers or what. But they've been sending surveys now uh, uh, every quarter, and um, depending on how you respond to those surveys, you either get to go to the Netflix office and provide more feedback, or uh, but that's helping them even from a content creation perspective. Interesting. So not only, I mean, obviously they're 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 watching. Uh, what everyone's doing and what people are streaming and how much of their streaming and what their ratings are and stuff like that. But they're also doing surveys and then essentially digging more. And, and I just, I love that. And, and um, yeah, we use Netflix more than any of the other providers big time just because the recommendations are usually good and the interface is awesome and um, just lots of, lots of good things for sure. Um, yeah. Cool. So, so in terms of loyalty, let, let's kind of go back to that other point you made on you know, creating a loyalty program taking someone from first-time purchaser to now getting them to buy more. Uh, other tips or ideas or strategies there? Um, you mean just in loyalty or overall? Uh, just in loyalty, yeah. I think I covered the ground a little bit there, but really personalized and customized approach is the key to go. Um, and also, you know, it goes without saying that retention and loyalty you gotta you gotta provide ongoing value. So if you're an e-commerce brand and you're selling a physical product, and I have I have four dogs, um, I, I I have a, a subscription from BarkBox, and we've tried tried Chewy as well in the past. You know, I, I get to the point where I get subscription fatigue because it's pretty much after six seven months, it's the same old same old. They're not so you know these brands need to provide me an ongoing value because I know that there are other options. And an ongoing value in this case would be maybe delight me with a new product or, of course, in this case, my dogs. But going back to Netflix, they're obviously always coming up with new content that is Netflix owned. And not all of it is good, but they're trying with this, which doesn't make me want to leave them. So uh, ha the loyalty you know, is built through that, through ongoing value. And of course, there are some tactics that... Sometimes there is churn that is happening, um, you know, which I was kind of talking about during the prep time as well, that there is churn that is happening, which is involuntary, that, that, that is impacting your loyalty um, to the brand. You don't even know that it's happening as a brand because these are payment churns that are happening. So payment failures, uh, you know, happens to be the most common cause of involuntary churn. Um, example would be you've had an Equinox or 24-hour fitness membership for, I don't know, five, 10 plus years. And suddenly your card is either expired or address is changed or stolen or whatnot. And now you can't make that payment because you just don't know it's been on kind of auto and, and it didn't make it through. And 24-hour fitness, instead of calling you or whatnot, they thought that, oh, we lost this customer. Um, there, are, there are tools that you can use um, to have the card updates on file. So you don't even have to worry about it. Avoid this involuntary churn that is happening. So when you think about loyalty and retention, Providing a definite game mechanics and rewards and um, customized solutions is one thing, which is the ongoing value that you got to provide as a brand, but also figuring out these other ancillary things that are happening that might impact the loyalty. You know, things like those involuntary returns that I was talking about. Love it. And, and I think it's a couple points to underscore there. You know, with, with the, the Netflix piece again, yeah, if, if imagine if you log into Netflix you know, uh, for a couple months straight and you never saw anything new and you never saw anything cool or anything else customized recommended to you and it just got really stale. You probably think about bailing. You probably think about or just checking out what Hulu has to offer or diversifying a little bit. I think we, we forget how quickly things can get stale. 
and how quickly people may want to try something else and how many other things are competing yeah. for attention. And just like the, the, the fact that people are, I think, are less loyal today than they've ever been with brands. People want to be constantly delighted and they want you to, to deliver and they want you to know them. And if you don't, they'll, they'll kind of move on. And so... Um, so always got to be, you always got to be innovating and then, and then yeah, set up tools in place to for sure, like friendly churn and, and involuntary churn, like that stuff happens. If you've got people unsubscribe and save or subscriptions, like you're going to, some of those are going to churn and they don't mean to. So get some tools in place because you were saying there's some tools now where kind of automatically update some of those things that are changing, right? To, to prevent yeah. a decline I mean card. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, we, we have tools like account updater. Um, that will automatically update the lo- uh, the lost, stolen, or expired cards because we're directly integrated with the card brands like Mastercard and Visa, right? So you don't even have to, as a customer or even as a brand, you don't even have to. Or you ideally shouldn't even worry about those things, right? Those friendly turns and involuntary turns sh- shouldn't be the ones that you should focus on. You should focus on how do you get more customers and how do you retain those customers. Yes, and that's why. You know, when you're looking for a new platform or system, these are a few things you gotta be keep. You gotta keep kind of uh, thinking about and what they have and what they don't. Yeah, love it. Yes, yeah. spend spend your time, energy, creativity on the hard stuff. How do we continually delight customers and make them happy and want them, want them to come back? Use tools to to handle some of the technical stuff that that is also causing leaks and and customers to to churn um, that shouldn't be. So um, one other topic I want to kind of dig into, and then I want to get the scoop on Limelight because, you know, prior to us chatting, I knew Limelight mainly as a landing page solution because that's, that's how some of our clients <laughs> use it. But I know there's more of that. So I want to dig into that. Um, but, but we also talked a little bit about funnels um, kind of as we were prepping and you mentioned funnels as well. Any, any tips or suggestions there, you know, with the goal of making our conversion rate go beyond the industry norms or just, just improve based on where it is now. Uh, tip, tips on funnels and making them convert better. Yeah. And I'll try to be succinct, man, because I, I love funnels. Uh, <laughs> funnels is what, you know, funnels in 2019 is what a website used to be in 1997. Sure. Meaning essential. You gotta have it. And uh, it, it sometimes, you know, hurts me when uh, I'm talking to brands and big brands. And when I tell them about e-commerce funnel and they're like, oh, you mean like, marketing funnel like no 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 dedicated e-commerce funnel and they have no idea i'm like wow you gotta you gotta start getting out there and looking at this stuff but uh, you know funnel essentially is if i were to kind of put it in a definition it would be a a path uh, that you create for your traffic that kind of takes uh the, the traffic through a website or landing page or through different channels that results in a conversion and conversion could be a product sale it could be a form submit because you're asking for all the information, a lead gen kind of thing. Um, it could be an app install. It could be anything, right? The whole idea behind a funnel is you have a very specific call to action at the end of that journey. You don't want to distract the user with too many things. And one thing I recommend brands is also don't just send paid traffic to your web store, to your website. Your website is, uh, you know, if you have multiple services or multiple products, all you're doing is just sending someone who's interested in one or two things, confusing them, giving them more options. Um, that's not what you should do. You should have a website, you should have a web store, but you should also have dedicated landing pages, dedicated funnels that are driving seamlessly your consumers, your, your traffic into that path so they can end up in a conversion. 
and you know, I can I can go on and on how you create it, what are the different types of funnels and whatnot. But some of the low hanging fruits that um, that 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 brands should be harvesting, to be honest, is um, conversion rate optimization. A big big bucket that you know if people haven't heard of. Uh, they should start looking into it. But low hanging fruits would be high quality images and video. Video is it, it's it's been around for for some time now. You know, YouTube is the second. Um, second uh, biggest search engine out there. So creating short videos um, or testimonials is really, really key. Having high quality images that people can look on their smartphone, uh, again, very crucial. Detailed product descriptions. Um, sometimes comparing them with other products is also helpful. Free shipping and returns. You won't believe it. You can increase the price of your product and include the shipping in it. But if you just say free shipping and return, this just drives the conversions like crazy. And this is part of the tactic of conversion rate optimization. Um, having some kind of social proof, like I was talking about testimonials, you know, having legitimate reviews and testimonials of what other people um, have, have um, thought about after they've used your product is key. And the final, I would say low hanging fruit would be before you actually build a funnel would be mobile optimization. You know, a ton of searches and ton of purchases are happening on mobile, through mobile. So make sure that the site is not only responsive, but it's actually optimized uh, to work on a mobile and uh, you can actually make the purchase in there. So that's, these are a few kind of tips. Um, I, I can talk about how you build funnels, what you can build. We'll, we'll, we'll tell me what you want to know. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And really, Kenneth, that was a good checklist of as you're building a funnel or thinking about the shopping process if someone goes to check out, what are some of the things that need to be there? And what are some of the elements you need to be testing and tweaking and seeing, hey, does this, does this image or that image perform better? Or, or do we have the, the right number of images for the product? Or testing this demo video to see, you know, so someone can see the product in action. And, and on, on the mobile side, yeah, maybe it's not just, is the page responsive? That's kind of a no-brainer. But, but are there elements we're removing or elements we're changing altogether if it's a mobile experience? And are, are we giving someone what they want on the mobile device because some people just just researching on mobile going to buy on desktop but but increasingly more people are buying on mobile so how are we making that that happen but but yeah i, I guess maybe um you know if you were to, to narrow that down and someone is looking at handy to, to tweak or improve my my funnel mm-hmm. what are some of the things you may have them test first so that, that was all kind of low-hanging fruit i think someone could review that and just kind of build the checklist and start going through it but but any you know if you had to make a, an even shorter short list where where should someone start? It, it, it you know it starts with really changing your thinking a little bit. Um, every path a consumer can take towards purchase needs needs to be streamlined and personalized to create a unique feeling experience, if you will. You know if you're running a search ad or a social post that can drive traffic to your homepage, this approach is going to change the game for you. you, you ideally, you want to see funnels everywhere. So if you are a brand selling you know, let's say 10 products, of course, SKUs could be different, but 10 products or five products. Maybe think about having funnels for each of those products. Sometimes yep. if you're a brand, maybe think about funnels from a, a, a conversion perspective. Like you maybe want to have a call to action, which is just getting the information from the client. Another call to action, maybe yeah, you actually want the client to or customer to buy the product. So depending on what channels you're using, what your goal is, your buying buying journey should change. You know, uh, I'll maybe after this call, I'll, I'll share it with you. I'll send it to you via an email, and you can uh, share it out with your customers, uh, listeners. Where there's a funnel that um, we have, it's a pretty common funnel, and I'll, I'll give you a 
kind of, uh, you know, a teaser into what that looks like. But when you hear it, you'll be like, oh, it makes sense. But that funnel has done, you know, in 10, mil, in 10 uh, plus millions of dollars for our, our brands in revenue. And, and that is as simple as when you drive the traffic from search ad or uh, even YouTube or Google or whatnot um, or Facebook, don't just drive into your landing page or a product page. Um, unless you're, you know, a big known brand like a Home Depot or Apple, it, things are different. But if you're still starting up and you're like, a, you know, a Glossier is a big brand, but not everybody has heard of it. So even if you're kind of in that starting or growth or middle stage and you're about to grow in, on a scale, drive them to a content page, give them some testimonials, give them why um, this this product that you're, you, you just clicked on as an ad is important. What are some other people saying? So, you know, um, give them that and warm them up a little bit. Then you take them to a landing page or product page where don't show them other distractions. Don't show them other product because now they already know about one product that they want to buy. They're vested in it and let them buy it. Let, give them options around free shipping, free return, give them multiple payment options. They want to use Apple Pay, give them Apple Pay. You know, so make it very, very seamless for them just with one distraction. No founder story, no uh, header navigation, um, no footer, nothing. Just one page with uh, an option to buy and that's it. Once you have bought that product before you actually, you know, allow the user to check out, maybe give them a bump checkout. Like, hey, since you're buying this, if you want to buy another one or, you know, twice as many, since the shipping is going to be the same, we can offer you a discount. You know, that's a part of the funnel. Now you're kind of increasing the average order value plus also figuring out if the user might be interested or not. And, um, you know, seven out of uh, 10 times they are because they're in that buying, buying free. So once they have bought it, you already have the, you know, the confirmation is done. Don't just end there. Maybe upsell and uh, upsell them on other things that they can buy. If they're not interested in an upsell, again, don't give up. Give them a downsell. You know, maybe, okay, you're not interested in uh, XYZ. What about this ABC thing, which is half the price? Okay, if they're not interested. Now they've clearly communicated. They want to just get done with it. Then you offer them a, a thank you page. But then again, not just a thank you page. Give them an offer wall, meaning... Uh, just below the thank you and confirmation, show them other similar products that other users have bought at the same time. You never know. Maybe they might be interested in that as well. Once they have done, um, if they're not interested or they're interested, now give them an option to, if they can share it out or recommend it to a different friend or whatever, you know, you'll, you'll uh, give them a loyalty reward or something like that. And that, if you were to, I don't know if you were able to kind of map line it, but I'll send that to you. That is a 10 plus million dollar funnel, meaning... People just using that funnel and putting pages behind that uh, has converted uh, uh, at a much higher scale for our brands. Yeah, would love would love to see that. And, and yeah, if you share it, we'll, I'll put it in the show notes so people can kind of link up to that and and see it at, at ecommerceevolution.com. Uh, huge fan of funnels. You know, we run a lot of traffic to sites from Google search and shopping and YouTube ads and Amazon display ads and all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, my advice would be test it. Uh, depending on where someone is in the in the journey, depending on the audience we're targeting, I'll just take take YouTube ads as an example. A lot of times we do see those funnel pages convert the best, especially if it's cold traffic, someone who's not familiar with the brand. Occasionally, we'll, we'll have some some ads or some audiences where sending them directly to the product detail page works great and even works better. Uh, but I'm a huge believer in funnels, and so yeah, build those out, test those, and then as you start kind of combining these elements, you know, all these elements you've talked about. There's a compounding effect, right? So we, we have 
chat, but it's personalized chat and it's, it's specific to what a customer is doing. And now that's going to make them more comfortable and maybe ready to buy. Uh, that's we're gonna, yeah, we're going to be increasing our, our, our conversion rate and our average order value. And, but still people are going to be bouncing and not buying. And so, but we got now smart remarketing that, that comes into play. So all of this stuff has a compounding effect, which over time can make a tremendous impact on your business, really revolutionize it in a lot of ways. So Yeah, 100% agree. I love it. Like how you said it, compounding effect. You're right. I mean, it shouldn't be, the goal shouldn't be just to sell. The goal should be to get, gather as many data points as you can from your customers so you can increase the lifetime value, 100%. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, let's do this kind of as we, as we wrap up. I want to take some time and talk a little bit about Limelight because you guys have built just a pretty amazing e-commerce offering. So, so talk about Limelight, I think there's probably some other people that, that think about it the way I did, where you know landing page solution, awesome landing page solution. But um, what what is Limelight, and what are some people things that people probably don't know that you guys offer? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, Limelight, we're we've been around for ten plus years. If you were to, if I were to, kind of just for for the brevity of it, say we're the best performance marketing engine out there. Um, and, and a lot of people might know what performance marketing is, whatnot. But let me try another way to explain it. We're the most flexible e-commerce engine for modern e-commerce brands. Again, have been around for 10 plus years, been battle tested by aggressive marketers on how to reduce churn and cost of acquisition. And again, how to drive revenue. Things that, you know, if you think about an e-commerce platform, you don't really get just in this one e-commerce platform. Things like a customer management system, subscription management, memberships, e-commerce funnels that we just talked about, one-click upsells, advanced reporting, um, integrations with other vendors out there like fulfillment and call centers. Um, we have over 150 gateway integrations, but there is no place on earth that you can't go and use one of the gateways that we have and process your payments. It's crazy when you think about it, right? So um, it's, it's a very robust platform, um, which still offers a ton of flexibility. It's mostly targeted towards sophisticated merchants. Um, who want to try out different things, want to test out different things and see what works and what doesn't work. So, um, and also, um, you know, since we're talking, I'll, I'll put it out there. Um, if you're, you know, if you're, any of your clients are, are in the CBD space or ready to sell CBD products and not sure where to go or who to talk to, um, give us a shout. We're, we're seeing a lot of, um, um, you know, attraction from a lot of merchants from a CBD space and um, they don't really have a lot of avenues to go to because of the, you know, the noise around, is it possible? What is possible? What can we do? Is the platform there? Can the platform do this and that? Um, we have in-house expertise. We have a few brands like Honest, uh, Paws, and Whole Green CBD, uh, big names um, running on our platform. Yeah, there's a lot of people that um, are interested in that, but, but the, the larger platforms are not really wanting to get into that space. And so that, that's, a, that's an area where you guys could potentially help. That's great. That's great. Um, what what resources such someone should uh, easy for me to say should someone check out uh, if they're interested? So they've been listening and they think, "Man, Rose is a smart dude. I want to learn more about Limelight. Uh, maybe you know, read some stuff on it. Where should someone go? And then and then how could someone uh, connect with you socially or however is best for you? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So you know, uh, go check us out on www.getlimelight.com. Um, uh, look at our blog uh, or, or go to our Facebook page or, or, or whatever. If, um, if there are any questions for me directly, feel free to reach out to me, ro, R-O at getlimelight.com. Very simple. Um, ro at getlimelight or um, look me up on LinkedIn um, and, and add me. Um, 
any, any way, any way that works for you. Very cool. Well, Ro, this has been awesome, man. I, I'm going to link up to your funnel in the show notes. Uh, definitely go check out Limelight. Follow them. See what they're doing. Um, you know, if you're considering switching e-commerce platforms, investigate it a little bit. Um, I think it would be an option worth looking at and, and lots of education you can get from the folks there as well. So with that, Ro, man, this has been a ton of fun. Thank you for delivering amazing content and just really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll have to do it again. And with that, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'd love to know what you'd like to hear more of, show suggestion ideas, things like that. Give us your feedback. Leave us a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. That helps other people discover the show as well. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.